Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get into uh, today's message. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for inhabiting the praises of your people. Thank you for moving in this place already through the worship. Lord, we ask you to be with us and guide us in all that we do, that you would open our ears and our hearts and our very souls to your words this morning, that you would use me as a conduit of your wisdom this morning, that I would be so blessed to be able to be a part of people's spiritual journeys this morning. God, we ask you to be with us in that. That everything that we do this morning would bring a smile to your face. That our voices would enrich heaven this morning. God, I ask you to, to place the mission of this, of this church on each and every single person's heart. That it ignites a fire of how we interact with our community. How do we reach and how do we grow and how do we serve? And that is a conscious thought. It weighs heavy on us. On how do we interact? How do we lift up? How do we impact? God, we ask you to move in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we are in uh, the middle of a series called Reach, Grow, Serve. It takes a lot of creativity to name this series because that's our mission statement, okay? Once or twice a year, every year, uh, especially in January and then probably again in August, uh, we go through uh, what our vision, our mission is to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. Poor Lily Binnig, she comes home from college and she hears one message every year, right? She's here for the reach message. We told her that she can listen to the podcast and get the grow and the serve uh, at, at college, but she, she yelled at me. She's like, Jared, I'm here for Easter and I'm here for this week. I, I know your Easter message and I know your, uh, I know your, your reach message. Uh, it was just a funny interaction I had with her. So, um, this is something incredibly important though, to the life of the church and to really get nailed down into who we are, what we're doing, why we do the things that we do and what our attitude should be as we do that. As we reach, as we grow, as we serve the community for Christ. This winter, as we kind of reset our ideas on what the next year can be, on the, our, reset our ideas of who we should start becoming, who are we trying to be, we need to have this thought pattern of, of what is my vision, what is my mission in life, who should I try to become? And as a member of this church, as someone who calls this place home, it needs to start to become that I will reach and I will grow and I will serve the community for Christ. It's not Jared's personal mission statement. That's not the staff's personal mission statement. That's not just the elder's mission statement. That is Shore Church of God's as a community of believers. It's all of our mission statement as we go into the community and do these things. It's who we have to become to be uh, living out the mission that God has given us. Now, to reach, grow, and serve, if you go, well, I don't really agree with those mission statements. Well, we're going to scripturally back up that thing. You're going to have a problem with kind of the big three. Love God, love people, go make disciples. That's your reach, your grow, and your serve. So um, if you don't like the greatest commandments and the great commission, we've got some other conversations that need to be happening. Uh, but uh, that's, that's what's going on. So this is who we are as Christians, as we are as believers. How do we reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. Okay. As I was trying to 
think through this, this mindset, the, this Philippians passage kept on coming up in my head. It, I kept on revisiting it. And I was like, God, that's, that's not what this is about. Um, we, we talk about the reach, grow, serve, blah, 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 and I have my predisposed uh, verses that I want to use for it. And God kept on smacking Philippians in my head. And I was like, what are you doing, God? You know, uh, I'm used to like being tapped on the shoulder with my three kids and interrupted. I'm like, God, you know, doing the whole two-year-old thing. That's nice. Go away. Um, but it's God. And so you probably should pay attention. Anybody else treat God like the, no, no, yeah, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Just be honest. Cause you do. Cause he's like, I don't want to love that person. They're annoying. God's like, you're annoying. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so wives don't elbow your husbands on that one. Okay. Um, But this Philippians passage kept on coming back up. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Straining forward, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Not that I'm perfect, not that I got it all figured out, but I'm straining towards Christ. Last week we talked about straining towards the community. That's reach. We strain towards the community. We are willing to get messy in the community because we want them to engage with God. We strain towards that. Today we're talking about grow. We strain towards God because we need God to do it a miraculous saving work in our lives. We're straining towards God. And then next week we'll talk about serve, which is straining towards the community and God at the same time to pull them together, right? Reach is the attitude in which we strain towards the community. Grow is the attitude in which we strain towards God. Serve is the attitude in which we strain to pull God and community closer together. As I talked about before, this is the attitudes of the the two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's grow. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's serve. Go and make disciples. The great commission. I'm simplifying these significantly, but... um, go and make disciples of the whole world. That is reach. Okay. But they all, the funny thing about those is they all intertwine, right? You can't make disciples if you haven't grown. <laughs> if you don't love God, making disciples is not going to work very well. Cause what, who you, the word, the disciples is a $3, you know, churchy word. Um, we like the word, use the word discipleship, right? What does that mean? I don't know. I went to a class once that's, well, we use our discipleship, but disciple is to become like the teacher. So you can be, um, everyone right now in the, in professional, if you pay attention to professional football at all, everyone is trying to find someone that's like Sean McVay. He hasn't won anything yet, but they're all trying to find a coach that's like Sean McVay. And so they're all looking for Sean McVay d- disciples. Um, the, the defensive coach, uh, joked, he said, yeah, my friend got hired as an offensive coordinator because he had coffee with Sean McVay once, right? That's, but the, the, everyone wants that discipleship. What would it be like if like I had coffee with Jesus once <laughs> and I'm starting to become a disciple of him? 
And that, that's that same, well, we want to become like Jesus. And so that's really what discipleship is. You can use a big, fun, churchy word of, it, of discipleship if that makes you feel cool. However, it's to become like Christ. And so to help others become like Christ, we have to strain to become like Christ. Does this make sense? It's not easy work. I wish I could go to a class, I could take a test, maybe one of those surveys on Facebook. Like, how good of a disciple are you? And 10, <laughs> 10 slides or whatever. Like, that's not how it works. Discipleship is messy. Ask the disciples. Right? Uh, rabbinical uh, discipleship uh, worked very, very interesting. And there's all kinds of stories of how um, disciples of rabbis would, would follow their rabbis. And so what you would basically have is a train of guys just kind of following the rabbi wherever he went, whatever he did, however he spoke. And so you have little pantomimes of whatever they're doing. Right? So if Jesus spoke with his hands, then Peter's like, I don't like speaking with my hands, but the rabbi speaks with the, where does he hold his hands? He does this a lot. Okay, we do this. Like, if you look at, um, if you ever watch my dad preach, you're going to see a lot of hand signals that happen. I've broken myself a lot because they used to annoy me as I sat in the chairs. Like, I'm never going to do that when I preach. And I'm like, oh, he does the same thing. Uh, So, because I've sat under his teaching for so long that I couldn't help but absorb the way in which he taught. That is being a disciple, right? And so uh, in rabbinical uh, ways of discipleship is you followed the rabbi so closely that you wanted to know everything. There's stories of disciples following the rabbi into the bathroom because they wanted to know how he handled himself in there. That's a little too intimate. Our internship's not going there. Just want to be clear. Uh... Don't want to get fired. It was, uh, things bad. All right. But <laughs> that might've been a little too far. Uh, but, uh, but you, you understand it. Like, no, like you don't do that, but you see that you probably see that in Kevin as he's, as he changes his style in preaching over the last six years, he's probably started to resemble me a little bit more. There's probably a little smatterings of Lisa and a little smatterings of Eric in there as well. Right. It's because you start, you're a disciple of, and you start to replicate that. As when we talk about growing, it's not just going to a class. It's not taking a test. It's not, oh, I did that life group. So now I am an expert in whatever it is. I went to a a marriage life group once, which means my marriage is perfect. (laughs) Got it mastered. Right? That's how that works. Now, I don't want to downgrade life groups. Like life groups are amazing, amazing opportunities. The different uh, ministries and things that we have and that we offer here at the church are fantastic on-ramps to the road to discipleship. They basically introduce you in different ways of following Jesus, but the messy work, the hard work is walking behind him in the dust, in the mud, in the rain, in the snow, in all the messes and saying, I'm catching up to you, Jesus. Kind of trip back there. May have twisted an ankle but I'm coming. Do you see what that looks like? That's discipleship. That's growing in Christ. And it is messy and it gets ugly and it hurts, especially when you fall down. And far too often we've been sold this bill of goods in how we disciple is, especially as Western uh, American Christians, if we're so big on education, that we think if we just educate ourselves enough, we will become Christ-like. 
It's not the way it happens. How many of us know our brains get in the way of following God? I know some very, very, very smart people. And they can't rational, they can't work with God in that because they're, they're so, oh, I'm smart. Yeah, yeah, God's smart too. Because we can't, we can't break through that, that. I had a pastor once, that, that 12 inches between your head and your heart. Break through that. There's no reason that your head and your heart can't be copacetic. They can't work together. We can't educate ourselves enough to have it all mastered. There's another churchy word called apologetics. It's a fun word. Um, apologetics is basically how to defend your faith against all kinds of different things. So if someone says something you don't agree with or um, you don't think is in the Bible, that you wouldn't have a proper response to that. How to argue. Argue for Jesus. I'm not a, you, if you sit under my teaching at all, not a big apologetics guy. So if you like to argue for Jesus, I'm probably the wrong pastor for you. Um, but I'd like to show you a different way. Okay. <laughs> so, because I'm more of, Hey, let's just know what we believe. I'll show you that in love. If you disagree with that, that's okay. But I'm going to still love you. I'm going to still come back to you. I'm going to keep on loving you. I'm going to keep on loving you. I'll let the love be the apologetic, not an argument being an apologetic. Okay. That's, that's a big shift. Okay. That, but that's just how I operate. Um, I don't like to argue that way because then I get mad. It's not like I, I like to argue too much that I can't let myself argue that way. Okay. And, and so I threaten, I threaten, I'll lose my Jesus, <laughs> right? As they say in the South, I'll lose my Jesus if I let myself argue that way. So you know what? I'm just going to love you. And you know what? We can disagree on all kinds of different things, but there's a, some root things that I, I will hold true. And I'm going to love you through that. Okay. Um, and so that's, that's how I, I do it. You may go, I don't agree with that. Okay. Let's, let's have a conversation. In that, but some of my friends are huge apologists is what's that called. And they keep on reading all these apologetic books and keep on reading these things. The problem is they're not having conversations with anybody to test those apologetics out because you may know the right answers, but until I look at Missy in the face and she has the other thing and her heart's broken and she has a totally different opinion of opinion of the issue and her heart's broken and we're having a conversation until I go, wow, I'm speaking into her heart, not just her head. Now all the stuff I learned in class, all the stuff I read in a book goes out the window because I want to care for her heart more than her head. Does this make sense? Okay. Um, So as we grow as a people of church, I want to offer all kinds of on-ramps to explore growing, explore conversing with God, explore what that looks like. But I'm not going to, we're never going to give you all the answers. It's not going to happen. I could teach an evangelism class. Every Sunday night for the next 42 years. And I will never cover all the specific ways in which you can lead people to Jesus. It it won't happen because every single person, unfortunately, is different. And there's not magic words. And the way I can hold my, my teeth right in my arms. And if I say, come to Jesus this way. Oh, that one worked. Sweet. Next week, try this one. It'll work for your son. Like, I'm not going to sell you a bill of goods. I'm not going to sell you that because that is a wrestling match. That is a, I'm going to grab a hold of you and love you for the next 14 years. And I'm going to be praying for you. That's what that looks like. Not, oh, I held my teeth right. Got it done. Give me a Jesus button and I'm good to go. I've told you I've worked for, I worked for family Christian uh, bookstore for a while. And I took a 20 question test on the Bible and I got a pen that said Bible expert. Getting paid eight twenty five an hour to be a Bible expert. Took twenty questions. Um, I also 
paid $100,000 for an undergrad degree in Bible. <laughs> Probably didn't come with a pen. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> Came with some student loans and some fun stuff there, right? And there's just a difference. Like, no, it's, you're not, I didn't arrive. I didn't, oh, Bible expert. One of my friends, we were going through uh, the library, like an old dusty shelf uh, in the library at Anderson University, and he found a baseball hat that said man of God on the front of it. And he, to this day, he's now a professor at Anderson. He wears that hat. And so we refer to him, not as his first name, not as his last name, but as man of God. (laughs) So there's that. Um, That didn't make the message for any, some reason. Um, but what that requires is this wrestling with God. What we're talking about when we talk about grow is to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind. What that looks like is straining towards God. And in that straining, you are liable to pull something, all right? How many of you started a diet this new year? You say, like, I'm going to work out. I'm going to do it. And you've already bailed on your New Year's resolution. Right? You've already like, well, this ankle, I kind of twisted it. No, you didn't. You took three steps. Right? Last year, my goal was to uh, run 365 miles in the year, one mile for each day. I figured I could do that. I got to three and I stopped. <laughs> All right. So. Don't feel judgment. It just is what it is because we're adverse to the pain. We're adverse to straining anything. We're Americans. We like it easy. We like it on the couch and we like potato chips, right? (laughs) Right now, right now we are prepping all of our meals. Uh, Kelly's making me do, no, we're we're, we're in this together. Uh, We're prepping all of our meals together. Um, (laughs) And, and we like our refrigerator on Monday and Tuesday is so full of green things. I've never even seen half this stuff. Uh, but we're chopping all the like Sunday night for an hour. I'm chopping vegetables. We're stuffing it in jars and it's, it's our lunches for the rest of the week. And, uh, it, we're just straining towards that and, and going through the, these, these vegetables in this new way of life. But we've got to get through all of that. If we want to get the results that we want, I would rather Go to chicken and spice, <laughs> right? And eat some uh, spicy chicken chunks and the jalapeno mac and cheese bites. Mm. Now, how are you going to go there today? Take a picture and send it to me. And be like, ah, have fun with your salad. <laughs> so that's just the way way it is, right? But we have to f- go through that straining. We've got to go through that uncomfortability before we can get to the goal that we want. The same is true with discipleship. No one shows up and is like, huh? I'm a perfect disciple. I'm just like Christ. What? No, because you got a lot of pride there. Um, it just doesn't happen. In our, uh, the university, people pay a lot of money to try to uh, become and buy their way into being a disciple of Christ. At our school, uh, there was a lot of people there at this Bible school uh, to, that were paying to try to, like, I don't know if they thought they could buy their way into a better relationship with God. I don't know what was going on, but you're, you're dropping a lot of money at this place. A private liberal arts college is not a cheap place to go to school. Sorry, parents. It's not. It's a great place. It's just not cheap. Um, and you go there, but you look around and you go, they're trying to buy their way because they're so desperate for a deeper relationship with God. They think they're going to find it in some sort of book where the deeper relationship with God happens is in the wrestling with God. I got to the, my senior year of college 
And uh, I look around and I, I was getting really close with some of the professors. And because you have the same ones over and over and over again. And so I walk into one of my professors, uh, professor's office and I say, uh, Dr. Shively, I got a problem. He's like, what's your problem, Jared? I was like, uh, I'm graduating in like eight months and I don't know how to do a funeral. I don't know how to do a wedding. I don't know how to baptize somebody. I mean, I've seen people do it. I think I can dunk somebody in the water, but I need to know how like the spiritual aspect of that. Um, I don't know how to do a budget. I don't know how to do like premarital counseling. I don't know all these things that are really my job, but I can exegete a scripture and I can tell you the Greek word for this and that. And that. guess what? When I meet a grieving mom or I meet a, uh, someone who wants to get married or I have to do a funeral for the first time, all that junk that I paid all that money for means absolutely zilch. And I'm smart enough to know that I don't know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> he looked at me. He's like, all right, if you can get 12 signatures of your classmates, we'll start an elective class and we'll go through all those things. It's like, sweet. I went to three different classes, stood up in front of the class, uh, asked the professor if I could have two minutes at a time, told him what we were going to do and said, hey, uh, here's a sign-up sheet. I'll come back after class and pick it up. I had 25 kids sign up for that class in three periods because we're all petrified. Like, we paid all this money. We still don't know what we're doing. <laughs> right? And so... Um, <laughs> As a funny aside to that, during baptism day, I was the biggest guy in the class. So we had all these uh, girls in the class that were trying to learn how to baptize. Because there's a technique to, buying, uh, to baptizing someone bigger than you. And uh, I got baptized like 17 times that day. <laughs> really sanctified. Uh, so <laughs> it just is what it is. Um, but it was because that tension. I want you to hear that tension. That tension of, I think I can, if I just go to this class, I just read this book, I just do this thing, I can become a disciple. The disciple is really, discipleship happens in the uncomfortable wrestling. And, and one of the most beautiful stories of this is found with Jacob. Jacob is the biggest jerk in the Bible. Or, I mean, Satan wins that crowd. But Jacob is the, the, the most jerkish human. Think of just the, he's a, Used car salesman mixed with Chicago alderman mixed with, you know, <laughs> something else. Uh, just like this sleaze ball. Like, what are you doing? Like, why, 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 why? Oh, just that. Ugh. And this moment, he starts this understanding of I need to change my life. Things need to get fixed. And he starts the journey. He repents. He starts the journey back home where all kinds of different confrontations going to uh, happen to him. And this is found in, in the middle of Genesis, if you want to read it on your own this week. As he's starting the way home, he meets an angel of the Lord that wrestles with him. Notice the wrestling didn't happen before he wanted to turn home. He's on his journey home. Now, this is a big thing because a lot of times we think, oh, you're sitting at church, you feel convicted, you go, oh, you know what, I need to change my ways of whatever this is. I will repent and turn my ways. It should be smooth sailing. God's so happy with me. It's when the wrestling happens. And that's when we quit. We're like, nope, not wrestling. Never mind, God's broken. He doesn't work right. And I'm the only one that does that, right? I mean, folks, we got it. We're in that wrestling. This is where Jacob is changed. This is where his very name, the very who he is, is changed. Because he wrestles with God, he grapples onto God, and he says, I'm not letting go, God, until you bless me. 
And he, he gets a dislocated hip. He gets all kinds. Of, he's just fighting with God all night long. And in that moment, I don't know about you, but it, this, this whole thing just totally changed for me when I had children. Because if you're a dad and you're wrestling with a four-year-old boy, they think they're hurting you. And they're like sweating and they're using every inch. And you're like, yeah, get off me, kid. Right? But you love every minute of it. Right? Because they're, and and Lucy's in this, my my two-year-old daughter, uh, she is like on my head and wrestling over me. And if anybody in the house says, Lucy, go change your clothes. Lucy, go do this. She knows that if I run and wrestle with daddy, I can get five more minutes of whatever I want. Cause I'm like, no, you're not, you're not taking her away from me. Uh, so, but she's just all over me. And it's that same idea. It's like Jacob does not have the power to wrestle with the angel of the Lord, right? Samson didn't have the power to wrestle with an angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord had gone, boop, right? It's God, <laughs> an infinite power, but he's cherishing the moment of his child grappling with him. And so when we repent from whatever situation we have, from our pride, from our hard-heartedness, from whatever, from our gambling, our addictions, whatever that is, when we repent from it and we start walking away from that, don't be surprised when that's when the wrestling with God happens because God goes, I'm going to be with you in this moment, but I want to, I'm going to wrestle with you. Do you really want this? At the first sign of adversity, do we turn around like, because I do it. And I'm like, God, why did you leave me? And I throw a pity party. My journals are filled with the pity parties when I ran into a God who was waiting to take me to the other side. And I said, nope, I don't want to work that hard. I don't like salads. (laughs) I'll make you laugh, but I want you to hear that in your heart. Because in that wrestling is when the beauty happens. And I can't manufacture that wrestling. In a life group. I can't manufacture that wrestling in a book that I tell you to read. I can't manufacture that wrestling. Even really in the words that I speak on a Sunday morning. That's something that happens between you and God. Because if you're truly going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength in mind. You've got to be willing just to grab a hold. And say, I'm not letting go until you bless me. You hear that? And we are not willing to do that. We are not. We're not because we, we don't have everything else so easy. Right? Oh, it's not outside. Not going into work. Netflix. Okay. Oh, we just have so many more options. But wrestling with God is so important because if we're truly going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, we've got to be willing to wrestle to get in that mess and just to hold on. Now, the first step in growing closer to God is recognizing that some of your issues are opportunities to wrestle with God. I know that's a lot of words. But the first step in growing closer to God is recognizing that some of your issues are opportunities to wrestle with God. If we start to see those as opportunities to wrestle with God instead of inconveniences, God hates me. God's testing me. God's throwing me down the sewer. No, 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 no. He's really welcome you into his arms and holding you for a bit. Cause you know what? The only time you run into his arms is when you're ripping. <laughs> Maybe if we ran into his arms a little bit more, we wouldn't have to, I cherish those moments of wrestling with Bowen. Cause that's the only time I can hug him. Right. And so we're like, well, that, 
The only time you can start running to God is when I'm repenting from something. What happens if you run to him other times? First step in growing closer to God is recognize that some of your issues are opportunities to wrestle with God. I want, I've been kind of down on the program aspect of discipleship. I'm not trying to tamp down the importance of the ministries we have here at the church. I just want you to know, I want to establish in your heart that that's not the end all. You don't get a diploma of all of a sudden I've arrived as a disciple of God. This is ongoing all the time. We keep on working it. It's always, always something I've got to wrestle. I've got to wrestle. I've got to wrestle. I've got to wrestle. I've got to move. I've got to move. I've got to move. Because if I'm going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and mind, I've got to keep on coming to that. You don't ever finish it. I'm pressing on. I'm straining towards. Not that I'm already perfect, but I'm trying to get there. This is Paul we're talking about. I'm not perfect. I'm not there, but I'm trying. That's where we got to go. Okay, so I want to give um, a little, this is the commercial break portion of the message. And I want to go through the different on-ramps of growing that we have here at the church. Um, most of which I have sign-ups back here or in the lobby. The women's conference has a sign-up in the lobby. Um, um, and the, uh, the life groups and grow have sign-ups on the, under, this, uh, under the overhang over here in the um, table. That's the call a table, Jared. Good job. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is grow. Grow is a ministry here at the church. We do about once a quarter, once every, every other quarter, maybe once a year. Um, it's really situated on uh, what's going on in the church. But grow is this moment that we have in the church is a Saturday morning from nine to one. I feed you lunch, but we go intentionally through what this church looks like. How does it work? Why do we do the things that we do? We look at how do we give of our time and our talent and our treasure to the church? How do we kind of step into that? What does that mean for us? What does that look like? We examine your spiritual gifts and go, how does that look as we reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ? How could, how's God wanting to, how's God uniquely made you to leverage you and unleash you in this community? And so um, if you're interested in that, it's specifically made for people who've never gone through it in the church before, are looking for their next steps um, in faith or, uh, people who are just new to the church that want to get to know us a little bit more. So we're going to be having, uh, that in early part of February. So you can sign up for that, um, today after service. We'd love that. You can shoot us an email or whatever. If you'd like to sign up for that. Second thing that we have is life groups. Life groups is a huge, huge, huge on ramp for getting you in a position to wrestle with God. Now it doesn't actually matter what the topic of your life group is. It doesn't. We used to, Kelly and I would work with the life group leaders and strain and struggle over finding the very perfect book for Missy to teach. Let's find the perfect one. It doesn't matter. You want to know why? Because the wrestling that people do together over whatever topic it is, is the important part, not actually the book title. We did a marriage life group at my house last semester and uh, we went through the curriculum and it was good. It was really, it was really good stuff. But the beautiful part of that life group, there was one week where like half the people couldn't come. The people that did show up were like the walking dead. They walk, people walk into my house. I made it. <laughs> right? 
Uh, <laughs> Eric, Eric and Joy hadn't slept in like three weeks. They had bloodshot eyes. Um, I'm finding out all the stuff about my mom's leg and stuff, and um, she's having all kinds of I- issues going on. Laura's having a, a terrible, terrible year. Uh, and so uh, there's that. Um, the, even the people that couldn't make it were like calling me, I need prayer. <laughs> you know, Wendy calls me from the parking lot of uh, Target. Jared, I need help. Uh, you know, it was just this crazy day. And we sat on the couch. My couch pulls out into um, like a, it turns into a Ottoman couch thing. And you pull it out and then everyone can put their feet up. We put our feet up. Everybody hunkers down. We watch the video and we just were together. And there was tears and there was just hurt and there was stuff. Because we were wrestling together. I don't remember what the lesson was about that night. But I, rem- I will always remember that night as a night that I said, you know, what? it doesn't matter. We're going to wrestle together. We're going to be together. And that's what life groups do. It's not always touchy-feely. Our Monday night groups are not touchy-feely very often. You know, guys, you don't have to worry if you come to our life group. We're, we're men, manly men. Uh, there's only tears if someone spills their coffee on their hand. Okay? So, um, and then we cry for the coffee. Uh, so... But, but the, the, it's the wrestling that these life groups enable, right? It's not just necessarily curriculum. The curriculum is important, but it's, it's just avenues to get you there. So sign up for life groups. They're going to happen uh, middle of February to about Easter as well. Uh, that will be a fantastic, fantastic time. There's all kinds of different stuff. There's men's life groups. There's women's life groups. There's uh, a parenting life group. There is a Sunday morning life group. There's here a life group, there a life group, everywhere a life group. Um, find one for you. Um, third thing is the women's conference. The women's conference is definitely a reach thing and reach, grow and serve. They all bleed into each other cause they do. But women's conference is also this fantastic moment of growing because what oh, I find out, you know, I have two very strong willed driven women in my life. Well, more than that, but two huge ones, my wife and my mom are, um, do not get in their way folks. Uh, so they just, they're very driven. And when they come to the conference, it's a moment for them to slow down enough to hear God's voice. Now I'm not pointing fingers ladies, but I got a feeling when you're managing the household and you're doing all the different things that you're doing, sometimes you don't take enough time to listen to God's voice. And the women's conference it does this supernatural, beautiful thing where it slows these rock stars of women we have in this church down enough to say, Oh, And you get to see the moments in which I need to wrestle with God in this. And so we've seen time after time, after time, after time, women come in contact with God at the women's conference and initiate that wrestling moment. And it's propelled them into a deeper relationship with God. (laughs) There's personal story after personal story of that happening. Um, So sign up for the women's conference, ladies, guys. uh, It's after Valentine's day. So easy peasy Valentine's gift. One of them can't be the whole thing. One of your Valentine's gifts should be, Hey babe, I'm paying for, um, I want you to go to the women's conference. I'll take care of the kids, whatever, get your wives there. You will not regret it at all. Okay. Uh, it's a great, great time, but also can't be the whole thing. You have to remember Valentine's day is a thing. All right. Um, psst, there you go. <laughs> and then, um, this next one, not many of you know about this. This one's, we just started it this year. It's called radical mentoring. Uh, this is a very exclusive, cool thing that uh, we're doing. It is um, geared for 30, 30 to 40 something uh, men. And it is basically a one-on-one, one-on-two uh, mentoring 
that happens for nine months. It's a very serious commitment, time commitment. Uh, we read a book every month. We go on two retreats. We don't, we eat together. We laugh together. We, um, do all kinds of stuff, but it's a very, very serious thing. What we pair is someone in their thirties and forties with someone who's been there before, uh, and trying to maybe one step ahead, but we, uh, we, we rub up against each other and go, what does this look like? How do we get through life? How do we become the best dad? How do we become the best husband? How do we uh, become the best business person that we possibly can be and do that in a God honoring way? And it is a really neat ministry and we're, it's on its ground floor and just starting off. But if you're interested in being a mentee or being a mentor in that, um, you can talk to me about that. We'll be kicking off our next cohort, uh, happens next, uh, August. And it's a serious commitment. It's a big, scary commitment. Um, but it is worth it. So there's that one. And then finally, the next step, those are all the on-ramps, I think, to this growing uh, aspect. I can't make you grow. I can't make you a disciple of Christ. You've got to wrestle with God yourself. But what the last one is, is we neighbor. We neighbor. And you, will, you can attend 80 hours of seminars or neighbor your, uh, neighbor your neighbor in the love of Christ for a half an hour and you will learn more about yourself and about your faith and neighboring uh, for that half an hour, right? Sitting across from someone who just lost someone will grow you faster than sitting somewhere else because then all of a sudden your faith met reality. How does this apply? How does this work? How do I hold you? How do I help you? How do I lift you up? How do I reform you? We neighbor well because we're supposed to love God with everything we have Love our neighbor as ourself and go and make disciples. The clo- as we become better disciples, as we love God more, we've got to neighbor well. Not just the eight houses around us, but the people in the cars next to us. The people that in the, in the cubicle next to us. The people we see on the street. We neighbor well. We neighbor this community well. And that's where the, all that fear, like, I don't want to talk to you. Cause I know like Jared, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not asking you to have 10,000 friends. I'm, I'm not I'm just asking you to neighbor well, to love people well, because when we do that, what that actually is, is following after Christ. Cause if you read the gospels over and over again, it's how Jesus is loving people well. And that's what he's called us to do as well. Folks, I don't want you to be scared of the wrestling with God moments. Um, I've been wrestling with God for the last about six months intensely. There's been a lot of whining involved. Um, there's been a lot of just frustration. There's been a lot of hurt, but just locked on to God. And some of these times I'm like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to walk away. I want to wrestle. But even in the, coming back to this message is, this is where the development comes. This is where the growth happens. In the story of Jacob, this is where he changes your name. You once were this, and now you're this. If you're just willing to wrestle with him, to grab a hold of him and say, bless me. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment. God, I ask you to bless us and guide us in all that we do.
I ask you to move in our hearts. Lord, I ask you to give us the strength. I ask you to give us the courage. I ask you to give us um, that resolve that we need, that when we hit those hard moments, that we wouldn't back down, that we wouldn't run away, that we wouldn't get cold feet, that we would grab a hold of you and wrestle. God, would you bless us? Would you change our name? Would you change our destiny? Will we become your man or woman? Now we love you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, I talked too long. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.